head. Pastor Henry is one of my best friends in the whole world. There's not a man that I know, well, there's a lot of men that I know that are really great men, but I got to tell you, this man, he's a cream of the crop, and I'm thankful that he is in my life as one of my dear friends. We bounce things off of each other all the time. We're praying for one another. We're a support to one another, and I thank God that Pastor Henry is in my life. I want you to give it up. I mean really give it up for this man of God who we love with all of our hearts. Amen? He's going to bring the word today. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, yes, I am. Good, good, good. Um, the last month in my life has been a whirlwind. About a month ago, my mother called from Liberia, West Africa, and said, I'm dying, and I want to see you. And I thought, well, she just wanted to see a handsome boy, that's all. <laughs> and so I called my sister and I, and I said, how bad is it? And she said, uh, Henry's bad. She sent me a picture and I said, okay. Got on the plane and spoke to Pastor Steve, got on the plane and went to Liberia. And my mother and I had a great time. It was a closing time. Not many people get to close. But for me, it was a special time. And we cried, we cried, we cried. I've cried more this month than from a long time. He said, well, Pastor Henry, I, we didn't see you crying. That's none of your business. <laughs> but I've cried my eyes out, and I remember at 40,000 feet going back to Liberia the first time, and, and when you are that high above the clouds, and the sun is shining, and you're flying over the Atlantic, it's amazing. You talk about faith? You know, people say, I, 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 I don't have faith in that. Yes, do you have faith in that pilot? And you don't even know him. You have faith in the plane and you didn't even build it. But 40,000 feet crying my eyes out and just remembering all the stuff. And I got home to my mother and we were talking. She hadn't been eating for a while. When I, when I got there, she was so happy. She sat up. She started eating and we started talking. We started praying. We started reconciling. And then she gave me the final blessing. And, and I have a picture of her, her arms around my neck, and, and, and yep, around my neck, and praising God and, and everything else. And, and, and then I came back to, to, to the States, and I think two weeks later, I got the call that she passed. And it was almost as though she wanted to see me before she let loose. And she said to me when I was there the first time, Henry, the Lord had already come to me and told me I'm, I'm going home, but I wanted to see you before I died. And so I went back the next time uh, after two weeks and we did the burial and we buried my mother and, and I got back on this side and when I got here, there were two more funerals that I was a part of. And then Pastor Steve had asked me to preach on the second series of, 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 uh, of the Beatitudes and it's blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. And... and one of the things I want to uh, be able to say as we, as we, we talk, talk about mourning, every single one of us in this place, at some time or another, you and I will have an opportunity to mourn. If you have your books, go ahead and, uh, and open up your books. We're on the second uh, thing, we're on blessed, and you have your place to, to do your sermon, and then tomorrow, 
uh, it's, it's Monday, you start day six. Start day six. And, and listen to me carefully. You will get out of this material what you put in. But if you want God to get a hold of your heart and arrest it, there are some people that have written some fabulous devotions that will stretch your mind, that will make you think, and that will make you go deeper. And then get together with some friends and, and discuss it. It will blow you up. And so we got to this place, and, 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 and I was going through this time of mourning, and yesterday we did a funeral for Beverly White and her mother, and they were excellent witnesses of the love of God. Their mother knew the Lord and everything else, and they were just pouring out uh, all what God had done in, the, in, that, in that family's life. And, I'm, and I thought to myself, at one day or another, every one of us here will have to mourn. And the Bible says, blessed are those that mourn. It sounds like a contradiction, but blessed are those that mourn, and they will be comforted. And so even as we go down here, and if you need a pen, just slip your hand up. The ushers will go and get a pen, because I know you need to write these notes. And, and, and I started to go through my mind as we started this journey, and I thought to myself, these are some thoughts God gave me. I started listening to the sermons of preachers and everybody else uh, to, to find comfort and strength from the Word of God and, and found so many, so many. But I started jotting down these points and these five points are not my main points for this sermon, so leave some space for, you, for the main points. But here's some of the things I've been learning on my journey. Point number one, God doesn't expect me to be happy all the time. Going through this journey and I'm realizing something. God does not expect me to be happy all the time. Some people think that when we become as Christians, we should be jumping around all the time, happy-go-lucky, jumping over the rainbow and, and, and say salah, salah and all the other things. And you're going to be happy all the time. No, no, you're never going to be happy all the time. And we'll talk about the remedy for happiness in a minute. But one of the things I wrote down, it says, and it's out of Ephesians, and not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 4. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. In all our lives, there is a season for everything, and in those, one of those seasons, you will be called on to mourn. And I would encourage you, mourn well. Because the Bible says there is a blessing in mourning. That's if you mourn correctly. And so I, I write that down, and, and, and another thought came to my mind. So point number two, I wrote here, grief is essential to my health. Grief is essential to my health. It is essential to my emotional health. It is essential to my spiritual health. It is essential to my physical health. And it's essential to my mental health. A lot of people try to stuff things down. And men, we're not good at this. Men, we were always taught, don't cry. So I remember my mother whipping me one time and she would whip me and I would cry. She said, hey, stop crying. What? Stop crying. Well, stop crying. So as we grew up, we stuffed it. And if you're a parent that still whack, whack your children, let them cry. Are, are you expecting them when you whack them to say, oh, thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy. Oh, thank you, mommy. Do it again, mommy. 
No, there is an emotion. But we are taught as men to suppress that emotion. And then when you get, start watching things like John Wayne and, and Clint Eastwood, where there was no emotion, we think as men, if we cry, we are sissified. Because real men don't cry. No, let, let me tell you, real men bawl their eyes out. And so you wives and girlfriends need to let your men cry. It may help them. Point number three I wrote down here is this. The deeper you love, the deeper the grief. The deeper you love, the deeper the grief. Listen to me carefully. See, people come up to me and say, oh, Pastor, nothing moves me. Yes, because you have no deep loves. But if you love deeply, you can grieve deeply. I wrote down here on my notes, there is no growth in your life without change. There is no change without loss. There is no loss without pain. There is no pain without grief. It's almost like saying to a lady, a woman saying to you that, I want to have a baby, but I don't want to have any pain. Now, a woman goes through childbirth because why? She knows after the pain comes the joy. And if there was no joy in having childbirth, a lot of you wouldn't have had children. Some of you look at your children now and say, oh, I don't know if I should have had that child. Point number four. If you don't let it out, you will act it out. I mean, I've learned more in this last month about grieving and everything than I ever, because for me, I'm one of those guys that have, I, it takes something to move me. I'm African. And I've seen so many things and so many deaths and so many pain and so many injuries, so many things in people's lives that it takes something to move me. And, and that's why I don't have patience for some people. And one of the things that God's been teaching me about this journey is this, I need to be more compassionate. So I'll try. <laughs> but I don't put up with foolishness, and, 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 and I can get straight to the point. But the thing I learned out of this journey so far is this, if you, uh, if you don't let it out in a healthy way, you will let it out in an unhealthy way. That's why people beat their children. That's why husbands beat their wives and wives beat their husbands. Because sometimes there are things that have gone through in your life that have happened years ago that you didn't deal with it, you stuffed it, and now it's coming out in all kinds of wrong ways. Because when the time came to mourn, you didn't mourn. And if you don't let it out the right way, it will come out in an unhealthy way. I wrote down this. There are two unhealthy reactions to the losses of our lives. Repression and suppression. 
Repression says is when I unconsciously try to block a painful thought out of my mind. I try to repress it unconsciously. And then suppression is when I consciously, I consciously try to block a painful experience or a painful thought out of my mind. And we go around saying, well, it didn't happen. I'm not sick. That didn't happen, and you try to whether suppress it or repress it, and all God is looking for you to do is express it to your friends and confess it to him. But if you don't handle emotions and griefs and deaths and loss the right way, you will get yourself into trouble. I wrote into my notes to myself, I say, Henry, stop stuffing your emotions. If I don't mourn the losses of your life, we will remain stuck at that stage and never be able to move on. And what will happen after a while if you don't deal with those emotions is that you will start to hurt the people around you, the people that love you. And that's not fair. That's why when a woman says to a man, you will not hurt me like Billy hurt me. If you're not careful, woman, you'll stay single for the rest of your life. Because what Billy did for you thousands of years, well, not thousands, five or ten years ago, you didn't deal with it, and Billy is still affecting you now. When men don't know how to control their emotions... And instead of discipline your children, you abuse your children. And your kids don't know how you are coming home every day. And your kids are a nervous wreck because they don't know if daddy's coming home drunk, daddy's coming home crazy. Because of things that have happened in the past that you refuse to look at and deal with and you stuffed it. If you stuff it, it will come out in an unhealthy way. Psalm 32, verse 3 from the New Century Bible says this, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak, deep inside of me. I mourned all day long. Psalm 39 verse 2 from the English Standard Version says, I was silent and held my peace to no avail. My distress only grew worse. You think time will let you heal? No, time will just make it embedded in you and it will get worse. Point number five, and, and, and in my thoughts here, this is the last one that, that I, before we get to the main points. But another thing I've learned is this. You don't get over grief. People say, why don't you get over it? No. You don't get over grief. Look at me. You go through grief. I wrote in my notes that you don't go over grief, 
You don't go under grief. You don't go around grief. You go through grief. You don't numb yourself that you don't feel. The Bible says when you go through the storms, I will be with you. You don't find comfort by jumping over your grief, going around your grief, or going under your grief, or ignoring your grief. You find the comfort of the Holy Spirit when you go through your grief. Now listen to me carefully. If you don't go through your grief, you will get stuck. And you will stay stuck in that stage of life until you come back and you deal with it. So I was asking myself the question, Henry, how do, if I'm stuck, how do I get unstuck? Because I've spoken to people, many, many people, who are stuck somewhere in their past. And every time they try to take 10 steps forward, they take nine steps back. And you get frustrated because there's something eating you. I heard a guy say, it's not what you eat that will destroy you, it's what's eating you. Doctor says most, a lot of the medical situations that are going on is based out of stress. Why? Because sometimes there's something eating you on the inside. A resentment. A bitterness. Someone did you wrong. And in a court of law, you would win. But you haven't yet been able to release that thing. That thing is eating you. And listen to me carefully. If you don't deal with that thing, it will destroy you. So if you're stuck, how do we get unstuck? Because the beautiful thing about Jesus is this. He wants you to heal. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that he wants us to be free. So when I was listening to the different sermons that I would listen to to comfort me through my, my grief. I don't know about you, but when we cry in Africa, it's nasty. Nose running, sweating, losing your voice. When we, when we mourn, oh! We can go on for weeks like that. But if you don't learn this thing, you'll stay stuck. Because the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So how does God bless us? How does God comfort us while we mourn? And listen to me carefully, as I said before, every one of us on this journey of life, you will get an opportunity to mourn. Listen to me. That mourning will either trap you or that season of mourning will set you free to be a blessing to other people. People ask me, Pastor, you, you, how can you can preach this morning? Aren't you still mourning? Yes. Do you still cry? Yes. Do you miss your mother? Yes. 
Love you too. Yes. Do you, do you understand me? But here's the thing. I'm, I, on this one-month journey that I'm doing, I've learned some things, man, that, that, that I, I've said to God, I'm sorry. Because as old as I am, I may have forgotten about these, these things. So how does God bring comfort to us when we're mourning? Because it says blessed. Blessed. Point number one. Here we go. Number one, God draws us closer to him. How does, God, how does God comfort us? He draws us closer to him. A lot of times when we're going through things, we think God is so far away. We think God doesn't care. Sometimes the pain is so bad that you can't sense or feel the presence of God around you any longer. That's when we start to say, well, I think God has abandoned me. Psalm 34, verse 18 from the New Century Bible says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. Let me, let me read that again. That's, that's a good one. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you had a minute, how many of you in the last year have been brokenhearted? How many of you last year have walked through some kind of pain, some kind of uh, 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 thing that, that was done to you that was wrong? The Bible says he is close to the brokenhearted. Let me read it. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. Uh, Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Listen to me carefully. When the pain gets so bad that you can't sense the power of God, the only thing you have left to hold on to is the word of God. That's why we emphasize it so much. Do you know your word? Because if you don't know your word, you will think that God abandoned you. And he's saying to you and I, if you are crushed and brokenhearted, he's standing right next to you. If you are feeling alone, he's with you. When you can't sense him, when you can't feel him, you need to know the word that says, I will never leave you. So you need to be able to lift your head up and say, well, I can't feel it, but I know what the word says and I will hold on to that word above what I can feel. 2 Corinthians verse 6, verse 10a from the Living Bible says, My, our hearts ache, but at the same time, we have joy, we have the joy of the Lord. You know what that means as Christians? That means your heart can be broken, crushed by what someone has done, but you can also have joy at the same time. That's why when people look at you, they get confused. They say, well, how can it be that you're crying and crushed, but you have so much joy and peace? Why? It's the supernatural power of God that is on the inside of you. That's why people that have no hope commit suicide. It's because they don't have this hope that you and I have. Point number two. 
We're talking about how God comforts us. Point number two, God grieves with us. God grieves with us. The scripture there, it says, Isaiah 53, verse 3, talking about Jesus, was a man of sorrow, acquainted with bitterest grief. He knew suffering firsthand. I love that scripture out of the Amplified. Let me read it out of the Amplified for you. This is what it says, verse 3. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. A man of sorrow and pains, acquainted with grief and sickness, and like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. You talk about rejected. You talk about a God that knows how you feel. Why? Because we are created in his image. The reason why we feel and we, and we cry and we have our emotions because we, are, we were created in the image of God who cries and also has emotion. John eleven thirty three to 36, when Jesus saw Zachariah's sister sobbing and saw how all those, were, who, uh, all those with her were crying, also his heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Then Jesus started crying. See how much he loved Lazarus, they said. If Jesus could express emotion, what about you and us? One of the shortest verses in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, 35, says, if you don't know the scripture, you've got to start all over again. <laughs> Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He, he, he shared his emotions. Listen to me carefully. Stuffing your emotions are, is unhealthy. Isaiah 61, verses 2 and 3 from today's English version talks about how Jesus was sent to comfort us. It says, it says this, He has sent me to comfort all who mourn, to give to those who mourn in Zion joy and gladness instead of grief, and a song of praise instead of sorrow. God understands this. God is saying, yes, you can be real about a situation, but you don't have to let the situation consume you. But the only way the Spirit of God can come and bring comfort and healing to you is because you acknowledge. The Bible says, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those that mourn. Point number three. How does God comfort us? He, number one, he draws us closer to him. Number two, he grieves with us. Number three, God has given us a church family for our support. Listen to me carefully. If you are walking this Christian life alone, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. It's like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. The Bible says the people that were attacked along the journey were the ones that were straggling way, way back. Look at me. God never expected you 
to, for you to carry your losses by yourself. He placed you in a church family. When people come up to me and say, Pastor, I have a, I have a secret request from God. Will you pray for me? I say, no. All right, I'm supposed to be compassionate. I put my arm around them. If you come up to me and say, Pastor, I have a secret request, that's not biblical. You need to find people that you can trust and say this, this is what's going on in my life. Can you pray for me? Can we go into a prayer of agreement? Romans chapter 12, verses 5, 10, and 15 from the NIV and, good, and God's Word. It says, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member, belongs to the, uh, each member belongs to all the others. Turn to your neighbor on the right and say, you belong to me. Turn to the, uh, 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 this is not a date. We're not talking about a date here. You're not proposing to get married. Turn to your other neighbor and says, you belong to me. Why? Because the Bible says, yeah, yeah, come. I just said one thing, don't be extending it. And, and I see somebody say, you belong to me and let's have lunch after here. I didn't say that. It says that in Christ, we who are many form one body, the church, and each member belongs to all the other. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Listen to me carefully. That's the reason why we establish the one groups. Because every time something happens, you, know, you can't always get a hold of us. I was with a lady in the hospital before I went back to Africa, and, and, and she said to me when I walked in the room, Pastor, thank you for coming, but my small group here, six or seven people, had already come to visit me. They're already bringing things to me. They brought some things to, to the house to my kids, and I appreciate you come, coming, but thank you. No, no, that's fine. I didn't get offended. Because the reality of this, we are a family. That's why we encourage you. If you, don't get, if you don't get involved and be a part of a, of a one group or be a part of a Bible study or be a part of a ministry, sooner or later, you're going to get tired here. Especially if you don't find your purpose. The reality, the Bible says we are a family. And so we cry together. We mourn together. We come alongside each other. But if you don't have anyone to come alongside you, you're in trouble. Because you're not always going to be able to find your pastor. You call me on Monday, I'm not answering my phone. He said, well, pastor, I could be in trouble. Find Jesus. <laughs> He's available Monday to Sunday. He said, well, pastor, that's so mean. No, because if I'm there, every time you need me, you will start to depend on me and then depend on God. And then when something happens, you'll get ticked off with me. 
And that's how we mature. That's how we grow. That's how you become a solid Christian. When you start to realize, I picked up the phone and called the office. Nobody answered me. I picked up the phone and called Laura. She said she was busy. I kicked up the phone and called Phil. He wasn't available. I picked up the phone and said this, I'm too busy for you. Instead of getting ticked, you need to be able to say, if no one's available, could it be? Could it just be that God is saying, come to me? Because you will never be as strong as people you think you admire unless you are able to go through some stuff with Jesus and Jesus alone. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 from the International Children's Bible says this, comfort each other and give each other strength. There are two kinds of people in the room today. Two kinds of people. Those who are going through pain and need to be comforted. And those that are not going through any pain right now that need to get out of their selves and go find someone to comfort. You'll be, you'll be amazed if you go down the road you're sitting in and ask people what they're going through. Just because they got their Sunday best on, they got their makeup all in the right places, you don't know how they, how they suffer at night and cry themselves to sleep. You don't know some of the heartaches and, that people are going through in their lives. If only if you could get out of yourself, if you're not going through anything, and say, hey, in fact, when you come to church, ask God, say, God, who can I minister to today? A lot of American Christians are selfish because all they want is minister to me, God, bless me, God, provide for me, God, do everything for me, God. What about your neighbor? When was the last time you asked somebody next to you, how are you doing? And I don't mean ask ask them how you're doing and your body's turned this way, ready to go. Because if your body's turned like this and you're ready to go and you ask the question, the person already knows you don't care. And they will give you a cliche answer, doing fine. But when you go up and ask someone how to do it, you put both toes and you point it in their direction and you look them straight in the eye and you don't move for a couple of seconds. Because a lot of times when you ask how you're doing, people are trying to see whether you mean it or not. That's why when I go out to people, I look them straight in the eye and I'm standing there for a while and they get uncomfortable and I just want to let them know that I do care. And if you wait there long enough, they'll start talking to you. So there are two kinds of people, those that are in pain and need comfort and those that are not in pain right now so they can get up and be a comfort to someone else. But when you're you're ministering to people, just a couple of tips I want to give you. When you're ministering to someone who's mourning, don't go up to them and say, let's say a lady has lost her child and don't go up to that lady and say, well, at least you have two more children. You lost someone and said, well, at least you have three more. 
No. And, and the other thing is, don't try to rush people through healing. Everybody's different. Some people can tolerate things a lot more than other people. So you have to be compassionate enough to put it on. I have to learn this one. That's one of the ones I put a star to. And the Lord said, Henry, you have the ability to absorb a lot. Everybody's not like you. So don't rush people through their healing. Give them time to heal. Put an arm around them and say, as long as you need, I will walk with you. Point number four. How does God continue to heal us and bless us in mourning? The, uh, uh, number four. God uses grief to help us grow. God uses grief. And, and I wrote down here, first, no, I didn't write the scripture here. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13 from God's word says, we don't, we don't want you to be ignorant. No, that's the wrong one. Uh, all right, here, Proverbs 20, 30. Proverbs 20:30 from today's English version. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change. How many of you change on the beaches of Hawaii? Sipping your pina colada. I remember, I remember flying home the, the, the second time and, and I was crying my eyes out. My face was to the, uh, looking out the window and I was just crying and crying. And, and, and the waitress, came, uh, not the waitress, the stewardess came by and, and, and she said, uh, uh, she didn't, I was going to say Pastor Henry. She didn't call me Pastor Henry. She said, uh, sir, uh, can I get you something to drink? Uh, would you like some wine? I thought 40,000 feet. Pastor Steve's not there. There are no Christians around me that I know. My wife is not even here. And I'm thinking, yes, God will understand. Yeah, oh yeah, by the way, some of you are waiting. I had ginger ale. I had ginger ale. But we don't change sometimes when, when everything's go. Sometimes it takes pain. Sometimes we're stubborn. We're stubborn. I know some of you guys. You are stubborn. Sometimes God needs to use a two-by-four over you because that's the only time you were here. So God sometimes has to use the pain. And, and, and I wrote some other things down here. Uh, uh, God can take or bring good out of bad. If I didn't know that, if I didn't understand that, if I, when I'm in my morning, I, I wouldn't want to live on the earth like that. If I didn't believe that God could take something bad and make it good. And then I wrote down here, uh, uh, God, he prepares us in our mourning for eternity. The scripture I wrote down here, 2 Corinthians verse 4, verse 17 to 18 from the contemporary English version, it says this, those troubles... Uh, those troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that we make all, uh, eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem nothing. Let me read that again. Those troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. Things that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen are eternal. That's why we keep focused on the things that can't be seen. 
you all, we always hear the word that you, you're not, when you pass, you don't take anything with you. And if I didn't know that there was something after death, I would have no hope. That's why as Christians, we, because we have hope, we can believe properly and we can mourn properly. There are some people that have no faith at all and they are desperate. So I go to do funerals all the time and I go and I can look in the eyes of the family members and I can see hopelessness, death, despair. And then I go to a funeral of a believer and, and their tears are pouring down their face, but there's a radiancy, there's a hope, there's a tenacity, there's a strength. Because they have the hope of seeing their loved ones again. Point number five. Man, time is flying by. Point number five. The way God comforts us also is this. God gives us hope or gives us the hope of heaven. How many of you glad that one day when we die, we're going home to be with God in heaven? Listen to me carefully. If that wasn't a hope we had, I don't know if we could stomach some of the things that go on around the world. All the injustice, all the rapes, all the murders, all, all the violence, all the war, all the things that go on around the world. If we didn't know that at the end, God will balance the scale and he will make things right and we could have eternity in heaven, I don't know if we, you and I would even have hope. And sometimes we, don't, we can't make sense of all the injustice in the earth and God has given us free will because he doesn't want anyone, forcing anyone to love him, but he wants us to choose to love him. But we live in a world that people don't always make the right decisions. But one day it's going to be balanced out. And, 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 and I wrote down here, I wrote down here the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. We don't want you to be ignorant about believers who have died. We don't want you to grieve like the people who have no hope. God expects us to mourn. God blesses us in our mourning. But he expects us to mourn like those that have a hope. So as Christians, we believe and grieve in hope. You know what the test of your faith is really about? I wrote down here, the test of our faith, the test of our worldview, the test of life itself it's not how you handle success and, and riches and all those stuff. No, anybody can have successes and riches. The world does not stand up and admire us because we're rich. Why? They're rich too. The world doesn't stand up and admire us when we're driving a BMW or a Lexus. Why? They are driving a BMW and Lexus as well. The world doesn't admire us when we go to Cancun and, and, and Aruba and all these places. Why? They go there too. The world is not admiring you when you are successful. The world stands up and takes note the way you handle loss, the way you handle failure, the way you handle funerals and deaths and, and, and the things that you lose. The world stands up and looks at you and they ask the question, is there any difference between you and me?
Because every time you and I represent our God well in our morning, other people come around and say, my God, how are they able to do that with such integrity, with such power, with such love? I want to know what they have that allows them to be real and legitimate, but yet stand up with confidence and with joy. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things will, will have passed away. Do you know that one day, the Bible says he will wipe away all our tears. People ask me all the time, do you still miss your mother? Yes. Do you still cry? Yes. Has it consumed you to a place that you can't function? No. Why? Because my hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. That one day he'll wipe all our tears away. There will be no more sorrow. And we will be spending eternity with him. So how does, how does God love us? He draws us closer to himself. He grieves with us. He gives us a church family to support us. He takes our grief and helps us to grow. Point number six. Now listen to me carefully. Yes, I want you to get all the other points. But this last point I want you to get, it will transform your life. If you understand why God allowed that pain to come in your life in the first place. Point number six, God uses our pain to help other people. No one can talk to a wife or a woman who's had an abortion like someone who's already had an abortion. No one can feel the emotion of losing a child than someone who has lost a child. No one knows what it means to be the only sole financial bearer of the family than to lose a job than someone who's lost a job. No one knows what it feels like to be in a failed marriage until someone has experienced a failed marriage. Your pain, your disappointments, your losses in life qualify you to minister to others. Don't ever let the devil make you feel ashamed of the things that have happened in the past. Listen to me carefully. If they've happened, they've happened. And there's nothing you can do about it. But can you find the redemptive act that God wants to use through you. The purpose, or let me put it, there is purpose in your, in your pain. It is called redemptive pain. God does not want you to waste a hurt. 
If it's allowed hurt to come into your life in one form or fashion, don't waste your hurts. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four says this, God comforts, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we receive from God. If you've walked through something and God has comforted you, he did that because there is some redemptive restoration that you can now turn around and minister to other people. You will go and say, baby, I know exactly how you feel. And the first thing out of their mouth will say, man, you don't know anything. Look how well-dressed you are. You don't know what it means to lose something. You don't know, and when you start to tell your story, and say, baby, you, you felt like this, didn't you? And she, yeah, and, and, and you felt like this. And at this stage of your life, you felt like this, and you had this emotion, and you had this emotion, and she's looking at you and saying, how did you know? Because, baby, I walked through that same journey. And she looks at you and says, but where's the bitterness? Where's the rage? Where's I want to kill him? Don't kill him. Where is that? Where is that? Where is that injustice? How did you handle that rage? And you tell, baby, I was just like you. But Jesus Christ came into my life. He went way down to the bitter roots of my core. And he removed that bitterness. He removed this and he removed that. And now she's looking at you while you're speaking and she's seeing authentic Christianity. Not a fake Christianity, an authentic one. Because you allow God to take your pain and use it as redemptive. I think it was Rick Wine that said this, your greatest ministry will come out of your greatest, deepest hurts. I was here uh, doing a funeral on, uh, on, uh, with Pastor Steve. Uh, I think it was on Thursday. I finished the beginning of the day. And Stephanie was here with a group of people from Griefshire. And the guy was here. I haven't seen him this morning, but there was a guy, heavy set guy here. And, and, and a couple, in the beginning of the year, he lost his son. The other day he went to bed and woke up the next morning trying to wake his wife up and the wife had died in her sleep right next to him. I tell you, there are people sitting next to you that if you get out yourself and the guy is sobbing and he goes to grief share and he meets Stephanie and her team and, and Stephanie and Jackie and they put their arms around you and, and, and they're ministering to the guy and he's weeping like a baby. Because everything he had his hope in has dead and gone. Real life issues. I remember Stephanie, the reason why we love Stephanie so much, I remember when Stephanie lost her daughter in this church oh, many, many years ago. 
I was here during the funeral. It was a mess. Everybody was crying. Pastors were crying. Leaders were crying. Everybody was crying because she had a 23-year-old daughter and she was going places and bright and brilliant and I had a future and a plan. I had talked to her. Pastor, I want to do this and do this and do this. And she died and she was broken. But you know what God had the audacity to do? Do you know what your God had the audacity to do? He took Stephanie of all that pain, of all those questions, and why God, and why this, and, and why me, and all this said, broken, took her and told her to start grief share. From the deepest parts of her pain, God gave her a ministry that is changing people's lives. Why? Because she found a redemptive purpose. Oh, was it easy? No. Did it take years? Yes. And that's why we encourage people, if you're grieving, go find grief share. Steph, stand up one minute. I know, I'm embarrassing you. Stand up, woman. There she is right there. All right? You can have a seat. Okay, enough. Listen carefully. Do you understand what I'm talking about? At one time or another in your life, you will have an opportunity to grieve. So where are you? I'll have the worship team start. Oh, they're already here. I'll have the worship team come back. So where are you in this journey that we're talking about here? Are you the one that, that don't need comfort right now? Or are you one that needs comfort? You're going through something right now. It's pain. It's breaking your heart. It's tearing you apart. And you need comfort and love. You need someone to put an arm around you and to let you know it's going to be all right. Or are you someone that's not going through anything right now, but you then need to be the person that God can use to bring comfort into someone's life? My wife's name is Comfort. And every time I feel lonely, I just slip into Comfort's arms. And even, and even when I don't feel lonely, I act like I'm lonely so I can slip into comfort's arms. Hallelujah. You go find your own comfort. But every now and again, these things happen. So where are you? You say, Pastor, I, 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 I've heard this thing and, and, I, and I write this down on my notes here. Sometimes God wants, you, uh, God wants you to be both someone who can give comfort and someone that can receive comfort. You know what we call those people that can give comfort and receive comfort? Uh, uh, we call them uh, um, wounded healers. Wounded healers. Those are people in church that, that are going through things in their life. They're mourning, yes, but they have the ability because they so trust God that they can come up and they can minister to other people while they're going through their own pain. Because sometimes if you wait for your pain to be over, you'll do nothing. So here's my question to you this morning. Where are you? Where are you? Are you in pain this morning? Are you hurting? Has something been eating at you all these years? 
and you are stuck, God wants to set you free this morning. So this is what we're going to do. If you're in pain, if you're stuck, if you need some comfort, we have people here that want to put an arm around you and pray for you and encourage you. If that's you, get out of your seat and make your way to the front here now. Yeah, listen to me carefully. I, keep, coming, yeah, keep coming, keep coming. Some of you are too concerned about everybody else. Who cares what people say? Just stand up right here. Make a line right here. Who cares what people say? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Or do you want to stay where you are? Your choice. But where are you this morning? What's holding you this morning? What has entrapped you this morning that you can't move on with your life? Because what's happened in your life is that something that is in the back of your mind that you're taking 10 steps forward and nine steps back and you can't move forward and you're getting more and more resentful. And you're taking it out on people. And God is saying to you, because you won't let them go and biblically forgive them, you're stuck. But the Bible says he's come this morning to set you free. So why those are still coming up? Listen to me carefully. I made up my mind a long time ago. Lower that, Anthony. I made up my mind a long time ago. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about anybody's opinion. You can say what you want and do what you want. None of my business. But for me and God, this is going to be real. So here's the thing I'm going to say to you. You may be sitting there and say, you know what? I remember a time when I was in that much pain and the Spirit of God came and healed me. And the Spirit of God came and touched me. And you're sitting in, in the pew and you're looking at these people down here and, and you're wishing that, I wish I could put an arm around you. Listen to me carefully. If God has done that for you and God has used you to bring comfort in your life and in other people, I want you to get out of your seat and put an arm around someone. I want a man over here with this man. I want a man over here with this man. I want women around women. I want you to hold them and say, I will be there with you. Come on. Come on. Those that know how to pray, those that know, I want you and your husband right there. You too. Yes. Up. Here. When I call for prayer, I'm, talking, I'm looking for seasoned people. I, I'm looking for people that know how to pray and know how to love God. And I keep telling you, when I call this, you come. I don't have to call you by name. Just put an arm around these, these people here. You don't have to say anything to them. Just put an arm around them. Man of God, I want you over this side. Just climb over, come, climb over, just, it gets nasty and messy. It doesn't matter, just, there's no time for politeness and, and no. People's souls are, in, are involved in here. There's a song I saw. I just want you to, those that are with people, just lay your hand on them, just hold them and just quietly pray because there's a, there's a song I heard this, morning, uh, this week when I was preparing this message. It's a beautiful song. It's all about the redemptiveness of God. And they're going to play this song and I want you to close your eyes. If you sit in your seat, I want you to pray for those that are here that they will come unstuck. They will come unstuck and God will be able to get to the core 
Look at me. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that the Word says that if I do not forgive, you won't forgive me. But because I'm so in love with Jesus, I want to be obedient to His Word. And this morning, I release everyone that has done me wrong. I set them free. I loose them. Not because they deserve it, but because I'm so in love with you. I receive your forgiveness and I walk in that forgiveness. And because of that, the joy of the Lord will be my strength. I'll give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone said, Let's give the Lord a hand this morning.